Hi everyone, this is Lou Meluso from Ram Radio, reporting from the Fort Smith Regional Art Museum, located in beautiful downtown Fort Smith, Arkansas, where we bring you the best in fine art exhibitions, art education programs, and exciting events. Today in our studio, we have Mr. Tim Ernst. Tim Ernst currently has an exhibition at the Fort Smith Regional Art Museum called Arkansas Wilderness, a collection of large format prints of the grandeur and beauty of nature. Tim, it's great to have you here in our studio. Uh, Welcome to RAM. Well, it's a great pleasure to be here and an honor. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for coming. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Tim. Uh, I understand you're an Arkansas native. That's right. I was born in Fayetteville and lived my whole life here in Arkansas. A lot of people have been trying to get me to move somewhere else, but um, I've uh, spent the first 50 or so years in Arkansas, in, in, excuse me, in Fayetteville, and then built a log cabin and moved out into the wilderness that I've been photographing for so many years. And my wife, Pam, and I have been married now almost 20 years, and uh live in Newton County. I see. And uh, is that where your cabin's located? Yes, sir. That's where the cabin is. You know, your reputation in Arkansas is just fantastic. We understand that you have a lot of publication credits to your name. And we're wondering, and I'm wondering for my audience, uh, how did you get interested in photography in the first place? <laughs> well, actually, I didn't own a camera until I was in college. I went to college at the University of Arkansas. And the reason that I started a photography business there when I was 19 was because I was a terrible student. That's the truth. I hated going <laughs> to class. And I actually answered an ad that said guaranteed money making, uh, taking pictures. And I became a, a uh, wildlife photographer overnight. Had my own wildlife photography business, which was photographing uh, sorority parties at the University of Arkansas, which was a lot of fun. And that's what I did for the next five years. From that, I always loved being outdoors. And that was my true calling in life and passion was being outdoors. So I sold the party photography business and started taking pictures of nature. That's what I've been doing ever since. I uh, I read in an article on you some time ago that Uh-oh. that uh, you were interested in uh, being a uh, forest ranger. Yes, that's right. Okay. Um, growing up, that's what I really wanted to do was climb up into a forest fire tower out west and, you know, just lead the solitary life of some guy up there by himself out in the middle of the wilderness. And out of high school, got a job with the U.S. Forest Service, actually, when I was 17, uh, working in Blanchard Springs Caverns, and I worked there for the the first four summers out of uh, out of high school, and so I was a forest ranger, so to speak, because I wore a Forest Service uniform. When I went to the University of Arkansas, my major was as an environmental scientist, environmental oh. science major. So that's that uh, that definitely drew me on the educational side as well. I see. In your career in doing photography of the Arkansas landscape. You've obviously been around the state quite a bit. 
Yes. Uh, So why don't you just tell our listeners what, in your estimation, are some of the most exciting and interesting views or vistas that are in the state of Arkansas? Well, you know, I've actually traveled and photographed in a lot of places around the country and several other countries. And I always come back to Arkansas as being one of my favorite places, not only to live, but but to to, to photograph year-round because of the scenery. Um, But I think in some ways it's not so much because we have really grand vistas like Colorado, for instance, but because we have intimate scenery. Just about everywhere you go out in the national forest or national or state parks or even local parks, uh, even here in Fort Smith, you can, you've got some wonderful places with incredible w- intimate scenery. And so a lot of the photographs I've taken over the last 45 years have been of the intimate scenery of Arkansas. And I, I find that no matter what the weather conditions or the lighting conditions, or the location, I can find something to take a picture of that's interesting to me in nature. And that's because of the, the intimacy of the landscape here. Mm-hmm. You've uh, published a lot of guidebooks. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those? I did my first hiking trail guidebook in 1988. We had just built the Ozark Highlands Trail, which begins at Lake Fort Smith State Park just outside of town here, and now runs all the way to the Buffalo River, and eventually will go to Missouri. And there were no guidebooks, no maps or anything to it. I was one of the volunteers building it, and as we built sections, I would write about them, and that turned into a guidebook that uh, did pretty well. People liked it, and there was nothing else like that for Arkansas, so I did another one on other trails, and another one on other trails, and a guidebook to Arkansas waterfalls, and when I got married, my lovely bride Pam and um, our daughter Amber actually wrote a guidebook on uh, kids' trails. Very easy to hike, short trails just for kids and, and their grandparents and anybody who wants an easy trail. So that's uh, we do as much guidebook work as I've ever done photography work, I think. And they kind of go hand in hand to a lot of people. I see. Okay, now, Tim, I have to ask you, there's... There are stories about you going Uh-oh. around, and uh, one of the stories is about you falling off a cliff and losing your camera. Is that true? Well, actually, uh, for a long time, my insurance man would, did not like to hear phone calls from me coming in, but um, I have smashed a few cameras that have gone over bluffs. At one point, I realized that that could be me at some point, and so I, I started roping myself to a tree anytime I would get near a bluff. And by the way, a lot of the views are just, they can be better when you get close to the edge. But of course, that's extremely dangerous. And so that's why I would rope up. And one time I, I literally had to inch to the very edge of the bluff to photograph a waterfall, uh, Neil Compton's Double Falls, one of my favorites. And you just couldn't get the view unless you were out there. And I not only roped myself up, but I, I gave myself a, a little bit of slack so that I could lean out with my camera and tripod to get the perspective that I needed. As I was doing that, I slipped, and it turns out I had too much slack, and I went over the edge and Boy. banged on the, on the bluff. Uh, and, and, of course, I didn't fall all the way to the bottom, but my camera and tripod did. They smashed down below. But it took me a while squirming around to get, get my footing, so to speak, and be able to climb back up the bluff. But... Without that um, rope, had I not been tied up, you'd have someone else doing this interview with, probably. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that uh, you are here. Thank you. Me too. (laughs) Well, there's clearly some 
aspects of danger trompsing around the, the landscape. Uh, have you ever been uh, involved with any wild animals or dived bombed from birds as you got close to a nest? <laughs> what are some of the wildlife photography dangers that you've encountered? Well, I've, I've had several. Actually, one of the scariest was when I was in Alaska one time and got charged by a mama moose that Ooh. was a uh, buddy was with me he was six foot six and he was looking up at this moose she had a pair of twin calves which is uh, we got in between her and them and that's not a good thing to do many other times i've photographed bears black bears here in arkansas and i've been around and been comfortable with bears and their cubs and and have been around them enough to where i didn't feel danger from them and and they obviously didn't from me either but one of the scariest things that ever happened to me was while I was standing on the top of White Rock Mountain uh, Bluff, very near here in Fort Smith, one evening photographing the sunset, and I turned around, and there was a skunk coming at me, literally. And I, I promise you that was one of the most frightening things that I have ever experienced wildlife-wise because I didn't know what to do. Uh, you know, I didn't want to get sprayed by the skunk, but the only way of retreat was over the edge of the bluff. So um, I ended up getting around him, and this, both of us survived. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, uh, as we talk about your photography a little bit more in depth, uh, depth, we have a number of our listeners who are photographers, who love photography and perhaps enjoy doing landscape photography themselves. So I'd like to just turn just for a moment to how you make your images. What kind of tools do you use and what kind of process do you use to make your prints? Well, to me, the most important thing of producing or creating a, a really good image is the light. So I've been, I've been chasing great light for the last 45 years. That's the most important thing to me. I can go to a well-known iconic location and under bad light, I can take terrible snapshots and nothing else. Mm -hmm. Or I can go to one of those intimate landscapes like I was talking about we have here. If I'm there at the right time and have great light, then I can make an ordinary subject be one of the most incredible things you've ever seen. So that's what really fuels my enthusiasm and my photography is finding great light. Uh, you mentioned tools. That, that's exactly what cameras are and camera equipment, just like anything else you do. I'm not brand specific, and I've used oh, dozens of different types of brands of cameras over the years. Nobody pays me to use their stuff or gives me free stuff. Um, I just use whatever I feel is the best thing for the type of work that I'm doing at the, at the time. Something else that I've always done since early, early days was I have always used a, a camera on a tripod. Even mm. way back in the 1970s when I started, I shot everything with a camera on a tripod. Part of that was because I was doing long exposures and wanted to get sharp images. But another part of it is, and I teach this in my workshops, is it, it slows you down. Put the camera on a tripod and I find that I have to study the scene looking through the camera, and it, it gives me kind of that mental perspective of seeing it as a single frame without moving when I look through the camera instead of being in a 3D world where everything is happening. It's kind of flat whenever I look through, uh, look through the viewfinder. And, and I, especially with digital, it's, it's so great in... Uh, the last 20 years of shooting digitally where we can see the images right after they're taken or even before they're taken uh, with, with live viewing cameras now. And so then I can take the picture and see what it looks like as a two-dimensional thing on the back of the, the frame 
uh, LCD screen. And then I can adjust to where, to me, it, it looks correct as a two-dimensional image because that's the way most people will, will view it. So certainly that is, uh, to me, the greatest leap that we've had is in digital is not only the image quality, but being able to get that instant kind of the Polaroid effect of getting, getting to see it instantly and make adjustments as necessary. Quite a bit beyond Kodak's, you take the picture, we do the rest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you get to see your pictures sometimes weeks later. Right. <laughs> Let's uh, just move for a second because uh, I'm interested in, in your printing process. The prints that you've created for this exhibition are exceptionally rich and lush in detail. I'd like to just learn a little bit about your process. It's kind of the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. And I know with, you know, I see, I hear so many people say, oh, I'll shoot it this way and I'll fix it in Photoshop later. I don't have that attitude. I'm still kind of a four by five film shooter where each sheet of film cost me five bucks, used to. And I want to get it right in the camera. I don't want to spend all night working on a picture in Photoshop. There's nothing wrong with that. And, so, and, and part of the reason I don't want to is because I'm not very good at it. I would rather spend 30 seconds or a minute processing a raw image. All my pictures are shot in raw format. Mm. But I do everything I can to make it as as sharp and as color and as saturated as possible when I push the button. A lot of the times, most of the time, really, that great light I'm looking for is what helps produce the colors that you see in a print. Um, it's so much different the light you see it six o'clock in the morning when the sun first comes up, the first few seconds of when the sun comes up versus high noon. It's, you know, it's night and day difference. Because of my tripod technique, again, I want to get the image as technically sharp as possible all the way through. Photoshop, I do very little to it. But when I go to the printing stage and I do all my own prints, all the canvas prints here on display, even the biggest ones, I printed all of them and I made all the frames and stretched them all myself. Although in the early years before I had a big printer, I must say I used Bedford's camera to make big prints for me. I've always used them uh, for uh, buying equipment. During a stretch of five or 10 years, they, they made all my prints. But now I've got big printers too, and so I've, I've done all my own for the last 20 years or so. But I use a special kind of canvas made by a company in Austin, Texas, that's so it's USA made. And I start with a very good original. The actual processing needed to produce the canvas prints you see is very little. If you do it right to begin with, when you take the picture and you've got the right light and, and your equipment is good, making a great canvas print's easy. And your printer, is, is are those Epson or Canon or who, I, who are you using? I actually have used uh, HP, um, Epson, and Canon. And, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like my camera equipment, I'm not brand specific. I try to use the best there is for me and for my materials. The canvas that I use is made by Breathing Color in Austin, Texas. And, yes. And yeah. To me, it's really the only canvas I've ever printed with. And, and when I, um, Bill Atkinson, who's, who's a famous, uh, he's famous for a number of reasons, but he was one of the lead engineers on the original Apple Macintosh project. So he's a, he's a genius. But he, <laughs> he also is an incredible nature photographer and developed a lot of printing techniques. And he's the one that got me started on this special breathing color canvas. And before that canvas, we had canvas prints, but you could never get true darks, blacks with them. And they just, they weren't very saturated or colorful or sharp. And the breathing color canvas, when it came out, they do something with their coating that just 
to me, it's just a huge difference between any other canvas I've ever used. And I'm able to, for the first time on canvas, get the brilliance and sharpness and color fidelity that I see on the original um, raw image or image that, that I processed, or even on a, on a regular uh, photographic print. Of course, they're so much better now than, than they were 30 years ago. It's oh, sure. really is amazing. Yeah, I think Bill Atkinson, uh, he creates the profiles uh, that, for those. Uh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. Uh, for Especially for the Epson printers. He he kind of made his name in the, in the printing business after he retired from Apple doing that and, and producing all those. He's just an incredible human being. In fact, he is the one who taught me how to print digitally. I went and spent a week with him in oh. Santa Clara, California, and he is just a joy to be around if you can keep up with him. He is just always tens of steps ahead of you. He's so smart. Wow. Well, that was a, a rare chance, a great opportunity to work with a, a renowned master in printmaking, certainly. I, I appreciate you sharing everything with us today. You've got a couple new books, or you have a new book and a new calendar coming out. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those? Right. We uh, just this week have a brand new picture book. It's my 20th picture book, and it's called Arkansas Greatest Hits. And it is what the name says. It's uh, It's got 125 or 30 of what I consider my greatest pictures of Arkansas over the last 45 years. And many of those prints from that book are hanging in this exhibit. I've still got seven or eight picture books in print. The uh, There's 12 or 13 that, that, that are long since out of print, but the ones that we do have in print, you, you can buy here at the gift store. The new one is the one that has three bears on the cover. Okay. Uh, well, we can't wait to get those in, and uh, we look forward to uh, seeing that new calendar. Before we go, Tim, we have a large audience in Fort Smith who is very interested in photography. We have uh, Photographic Alliance and other types of camera groups here in town. And so there's a strong photographic interest in this region, and a lot of that is focused on nature photography. These groups contain photographers of all levels, from novice to uh, more, much more experienced. We know that coming to visit this particular exhibition of yours is going to be great inspiration for them. What I would ask you is, as a up-and-coming photographer wanting to learn about landscape, learn about nature photography, and coming to the show and being inspired from your work, uh, what advice would you give to aspiring photographers? Well, several things. One of them is, um, you're right, you've got one of the best resources in the state here in Fort Smith with the Photographic Alliance, which has, of course, been around for a long time. And and they have some of the best photographers that there are as members. They're very generous. I find spending time with people at that level or somebody who is just beginning or anybody in between is a great way to absorb the enthusiasm and knowledge and, and just the fun of getting out and taking pictures. So I know a lot of people, when they find out, oh, gosh, the these guys are so good, they don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to be an outcast coming to one of their meetings or going on a field trip or something. That's me. <laughs> that, well, but that's just not true. Everybody is, uh, everybody started out that way to begin with, but in photography especially, just being around those kind of people, I think, make you a better photographer. The more at ease that you are with the camera in your hand and going places and taking pictures of things that you enjoy taking pictures of, 
the better a photographer you're going to be. You know, equipment-wise, that's another thing. People think, oh, I don't have a $10,000 camera. They don't want me in their club. Well, that's just not true. It doesn't take a $10,000 camera to take the world's best picture. You can shoot the cover of National Geographic with a $200 point-and-shoot camera. I've never had a cover of National Geographic, but I have had pictures in National Geographic that were shot with the equivalent of what is today like maybe a two megapixel digital camera. Mm -hmm. So it really has more to do with you, the photographer, being someplace when the light and the subject matter are, are, are very good versus the equipment that you've got. So don't worry about your equipment. If you're just starting out, use whatever you've got. That's another good thing about a photography club is you can see what other people are using. And let's say that you just got a kit lens and you see you're really attracted to sunrises and sunsets or wildlife pictures that are obviously shot with big telephoto lenses. Well, back in the old days, you had to have a real expensive, big, heavy telephoto lens to get great pictures like that. But nowadays you don't. You can go down to Bedford's and you can buy a zoom lens that will go from like 18 millimeter to 600 millimeter or something like that equivalent. And it's just incredible these days the, what you can buy and carry in one hand for not all that much money and make incredible pictures versus when I was growing up, a lens like that, well, it was impossible, but a 600 millimeter lens, there's a, a print in the exhibit here of the blood moon set setting, um, blood moon total eclipse setting behind a pair of oak trees. That was shot with a 600 millimeter f4 lens, and that was like a twelve, fifteen thousand dollar lens that I wow. had to borrow from somebody because I couldn't afford one. Right, and it weighs ten or fifteen pounds, and you can almost get that same quality if you're good at what you do as far as stabilizing the camera and everything with thousand, twelve hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So you don't really need all that big expensive equipment. You don't even need a $1,000 camera or lens. Um, but to me, the most important thing about your equipment is that you go someplace like Bedford's. I mentioned Bedford's because I've been doing business with them so many years and handle the cameras. There is no one camera in there that's perfect for you. There is no one brand or one model of any camera that I recommend. I recommend that you go in and handle it handle many cameras, different lenses, use the settings on the camera. Some some of them are, to me, they're too small, and they just drive me nuts trying to focus or trying to change the f-stop or something. And you never know that until you pick them up and use them and handle them. And that's where a camera store like Bedford's is perfect because they've got, you know, they've got almost everything in there, and you can try lots of different things. And, and don't worry about it if it's the biggest megapixel. You don't need the me- biggest megapixel camera. In fact, for most people... Biggest megapixel cameras are much more difficult to use and much more difficult to get really good pictures with. Uh-huh. A lot of the images in in this uh, these prints of mine were shot with uh, someone with an eight megapixel camera, twelve megapixel camera, uh, even one of them with a four megapixel camera. I think so. Oh boy, you know you don't need the latest thirty six or fifty megapixel camera in order to do it. Use what you got or buy something that you're comfortable with, and then just get out and use it and have fun. That's the most important thing to me about taking pictures is having fun. Stop and look around where you're at. You know, being outdoors and it's just really a lot of fun, whether it's for a hobby or whether you, you decide to uh, make money out of it. If you ever decide that you want to become a professional photographer, here's the biggest tip I've got. Rocks, trees, and waterfalls, they don't have checkbooks or credit cards. They're not going to pay you to take their picture. 
people will. So <laughs> that's great advice, yeah. Tim. <laughs> Tim, thank you so much uh, for your discussion today. It was it was wonderful to have you in to talk about your exhibit. Uh, this is Tim Ernst and his new exhibit at the Fort Smith. Regional Art Museum is Tim Ernst, Arkansas Wilderness. It's up in our galleries now through August 30th. Thank you again for coming in, Tim. Thank you so much, Lou, for, for having me. And it was my great pleasure to not only be here uh, to talk with you, but certainly to be able to share these uh, wilderness images with the, the folks of Fort Smith and, and, and the region. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Well, folks, that wraps up our show for today. But before we leave, let me thank all of RAM's members, donors, and corporate sponsors. They make RAM and this program possible. Our exhibitions are always free, so please stop by the museum and enjoy the galleries, and consider supporting our mission by becoming a member or a partner. Thank you for listening to RAM Radio. This is Lou Maluso, the Executive Director of the Fort Smith Regional Art Museum, signing off. Until next time, I'll see you at the museum.